Father in heaven, we thank you so much again for grace. Thank you, Lord, we can approach your throne boldly to find help in times of need. And God, we are living at very unusual times and we need to understand your will. There's so many distractions in this world, so many burdens, and so much sorrow, God. But we pray and ask that you would lift us above this world and you'd help us to see you, Lord, and to understand your will for these times. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, tonight's message is entitled, Antichrist's Greatest Deception. Antichrist's Greatest Deception. Tomorrow, there's going to be a two-for-one treat, and we're also going to have America in Bible Prophecy. Is the United States in Bible prophecy? Come tomorrow morning and you're going to find out. And then there's a delicious lunch afterwards. And that's at 1040 a.m. You'll absolutely 100% enjoy that service. And then Saturday night, we have the message entitled, The Mark of the Beast Revealed. The Mark of the Beast Revealed. Is it a tattoo, a social security card, or your visa credit card? Come Saturday night and you will understand what the mark of the beast is. It will be clear. Can you say amen to that? We also learned just a few nights ago in unraveling the Antichrist mystery that the Antichrist power is described as the little horn power of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Now we're going to discover tonight the Antichrist's greatest deception. What was the greatest deception of the Antichrist power found in Revelation 13, Daniel chapter 7, and throughout the rest of Scripture? Does anybody know who that individual is? His name, that's exactly right, that is Orson Welles. Orson Welles. And 1938, something took place. He was actually a a radio DJ, and what he was doing, he took his brother's script for a play, and it was called War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. And what he did on this radio broadcast program, a CBS radio, the night was October 30th, and what he did was very interesting. Him and another friend begin to speak and talk about this play called War of the World, War, World, excuse me, and it was about aliens attacking planet Earth, and they were very dramatic, and in this production, they were describing so many things. They started off the program by saying, we want to interrupt this program for emergency announcement, and they begin to describe all over Northeast California, Northeast United States, that aliens were actually attacking the world, that aliens were actually attacking the world. So many people got scared. Over six million people, say historians say, actually heard that broadcast. And when they heard that broadcast, some began to arm themselves with their shotguns, call the police, call the firefighters. Others in Canada began to hide, and all sorts of things were taking place. And it was shortly revealed after some time that this was simply a hoax. Simply a hoax. The world was not attacked by aliens. However, people were so frightened, all sorts of things took place. There was shooting. There was people uh, putting themselves in armed bands. And what took place was known as America's greatest hoax. America's greatest hoax. 
But we're going to discover from Bible prophecy that the Antichrist has made a hoax that the whole world has fallen into or fallen for. We're going to learn about Antichrist's greatest hoax. When you look at our world today, there was so much deception, there was so much darkness. The thing that we have that God has given to us is the light of His Word. Can you say amen to that? Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a light and what? Lamp unto my feet. And what is the purpose of a light? Can anybody tell me? It's to see. The purpose of a light is to see. So why does God give us His word? To help us see in this dark world. Now why is that very necessary? You know, Jesus gave a parable. You can read about it in Mark chapter 2, I believe. It was His very first parable. Now, this parable was so important that Jesus said something to one of his disciples. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand everything else? What was so important about this parable? What was so interesting about this parable? Well, Jesus describes a man who was sowing seeds one day, and he describes how as he threw some seeds down, some seeds fell along the wayside. And some birds of the air came, and they took some of those seeds, went off. And then Jesus describes this farmer... And he throws some seeds into a rocky soil. And all of a sudden, this little plant shoots up. But because of the sun and because the roots were not going down deep, the plant died. And then all of a sudden, Jesus describes the third thing that took place. The farmer was sowing seeds. And he he sowed seeds. But this time, the seeds ended up around some weeds. And the Bible says the weeds choked the plant. Finally, Jesus describes how some seed fell on good ground. And there was so much crop, there was so much fruit, some 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And what Jesus does is describe the soil of, the, of humanity's heart. He was describing how there are some people who, as soon as they hear the word of God, the Bible says that Satan comes in, takes that word, and leaves, takes that word away from their heart. Jesus then describes how some people, when they hear his word, they love it. They're so joyful for it. But then when tribulation, trial comes, they immediately fall away. Then Jesus describes how some soil, when seed is planted in that soil, that they grow up. But the cares of this world, the distractions of this world, choke out that plant and there's no life. And finally, Jesus describes the one soil the one seed that worked. And he says this, that soil is like the man who not only heard the word of God, but he followed the word of God. And folks, the question comes down to you today is, what type of soil are you? What type of soil are you? Are you just hearing the word of God? And as soon as you walk out, the devil comes and takes that that word of God away? Or are you the type of soil that as soon as you hear it, you absolutely love it for just a little bit until a little bit of opposition takes place and you're running the other way? Or are you like that one soil who loves it, but then the cares of this world are too strong for you? The things of this world, the distractions of this world are too much for you and you give up. Or you like that good soil. When you hear the word of God, you say, Lord, I want more of it. And you follow the word of God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says it's not just the hearers of his word that are justified, but the doers. So what type of soil are you today? Are you going to be doers of the word of God or are you just going to be hearers? That was a question. (laughs) 
Are you going to be hearers or are you going to be doers of the word of God? Doers. Doers. Amen. Well, as we look out through this entire great controversy, we discover what the theme of the great controversy, this tension between good and evil has been, and it has been over the theme of worship. The primary theme of this great controversy has to do with worship. It's, it is especially the major focus of end time events and will ultimately climax over this issue. Do you remember what Satan wanted in heaven? The Bible says in Isaiah 14, he wanted to be like the Most High, right? You read about how Cain and Abel were fighting, and what were they fighting over? Worship, right? And you look at what the Bible describes at the very end of time in the book of Revelation. It has to do with worship. Who are you going to worship? Why is that very important? Because how you worship determines who you worship. I want to say that one more time. How you worship determines who you worship. And folks, when you take a good look at the Bible in the book of Genesis, you discovered you discover a perfect God who had perfect communion with the perfect people in a perfect place called the Garden of Eden. And by the way, does anybody know what the word Eden means? It means pleasure. The Garden of Pleasure. The Bible teaches that God had created this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve, and it was a place where Adam and Eve could commune with God. In fact, the Bible describes that God did something so important for them on this creation week. The Bible teaches that God actually rested. God actually what? Rested with Adam and Eve. Now let me ask you a question. Does anybody know why God needs to rest? God doesn't need to rest, but God rests to teach his people how to rest. And he calls this rest the Sabbath. We've heard about the Sabbath. That word comes up occasionally, sometimes in school, sometimes at work. I need a sabbatical. I need a Sabbath. But what actually is the Sabbath? The Bible teaches in the book of Genesis the Sabbath is the beautiful, God-given 24-hour period in which he offers spiritual rest, rejuvenation, and relationship. Can you say amen to that? And this was given in a perfect world. Now think about that. We're not living in a perfect world. We're living in an imperfect world. And if God gave that to Adam and Eve in a perfect world, how much more do we need it in our world today? Can you say amen to that? Now, what actually, what day is the Sabbath day? Now watch what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were what? Finished. And now watch this. By the way, whenever a word appears three times in a passage, God is placing emphasis about that in Scripture. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the what? Seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God, now watch this, blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it, he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. The Bible says the word seventh, the word seventh, the word seventh, indicating that this seventh day was so special to God. It says that he blessed this day. He sanctified this day. The word sanctified in Hebrew means set apart for holy use. The Bible teaches that in the very beginning 
of man's history, even before there was Abraham, even before there was Moses, even before there was John the Baptist, God, even before there was a single Jew, God set apart the Sabbath day as a special day for him and his people. Can you say amen to that? And he blessed this day. And the Bible says he actually sanctified this day. It was so special. Now, do the Ten Commandments actually talk about the Sabbath day? Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. We learned Wednesday night that the Antichrist hates the law of God, that Satan has a big problem with the law of God, but we keep the law of God as a response to salvation. What does Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10 says? That's the second book of the Bible, page, page 71. Amen. Now, let's go to verse 8. Now, watch what God says in the middle of the Ten Commandments. What's that very first word? Remember. That's exactly right. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. Now watch this. This is the reason why. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. There we see written in stone, very much in the middle of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment. And the Bible teaches that God has called us to rest on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath. The Ten Commandments talk to us about this Sabbath day. But when does the Sabbath actually begin? When does this 24-hour period between us and God begin? The Bible teaches in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 32, From evening to evening you shall celebrate your what? Sabbath. The Bible teaches that from Friday evening all the way to Saturday evening, the Sabbath takes place. Now, why on Friday? Why, why at nighttime? Well, when you take a good look at the book of Genesis, you'll discover that the Bible says, and the evening and the morning were the first day, the evening and the morning were the second day, the evening and the morning were the third day, the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Over and over again, you discover that the beginning of the day to God started at evening. From evening to evening, the Bible teaches, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So just a little bit, folks, when that sun goes down, the Bible teaches the Sabbath will begin. How should I keep it? Well, watch what the Bible says. It's very simple. It's found in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, right there in the middle of the Ten Commandments, not ten suggestions. Can you say amen to that? Remember. Now, notice that first thing. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, here's the question I'm going to ask you, and it's this. Do you remember Thursday when we went to Jamba Juice? Amen? Didn't we have a great time when we went to Jamba Juice? Caesar, do you remember we went to Jamba Juice? You don't remember we went to Jamba Juice. Don't you remember that orange dream machine? No, really. Bill, do you remember when we went to Jamba Juice on Thursday? That's exactly right. In other words, you can't remember something that never took place. Amen? Now watch what the Bible says. Remember the Sabbath day. What is the Bible saying in the Ten Commandments? It's pointing back 
to the very first Sabbath. God is saying in the Ten Commandments, do you remember when I created the world and I rested the Sabbath day? I want you to remember the Sabbath day. Watch this. To keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your strangers within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The Bible teaches that we are to refrain from work. And work, that means those things that we are paid for. That secular labor that we're involved in. The Bible teaches that we are to set apart this special day and make it all about God. Can you say amen to that? You can't get better than that. Amen? How should I keep it? Well, watch what else the Bible says in Isaiah 58, verse 13. Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, or in translation, if you stop from trampling the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing, watch this, your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your words, now watch this, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Now a lot of people always quote from Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can you say amen to that? But how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Well, the Bible teaches one of the ways we delight ourselves in the Lord is by keeping this day holy. That we get to spend it with Jesus a whole day set apart from this busy week, a whole day set apart from the distractions of the week, a whole day set apart between us and Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Now watch what the Bible says, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Now is God saying, don't do anything, don't do any pleasure, nor speak anything? No, the Bible is saying, don't do your own ways, nor your own pleasure, nor speak in your own words. Well, if we're not supposed to do our own ways, nor we're supposed to speak our own, do, have our own pleasure, nor speak our own words, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do God's way, find God's pleasure, and to speak God's word. Can you say amen to that? A special day set apart between us and God. A day of relationship. And today's culture, folks, relationships have gone down the drain. But God is saying to us through His holy word, this day I have set apart in the midst of this high-paced, super-fast society, this special day, a day frozen in time between you and Him. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The Sabbath is for me. Well, the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, then he said, this is Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Bible says the purpose of the Sabbath was to bless mankind. The purpose of the Sabbath was to bless mankind. In fact, you'll discover even in biology, not just theology, that there is something to this seventh day week. Now, this was an individual who gets into chronobiology or about how time affects our biology. Watch what he says. At first glance, it may, might seem that the weekly rhythms developed in response to the seven-day week imposed by human culture thousands of years ago. However, this theory doesn't hold once you realize that plants, insects, and animals other than humans also have weekly cycles. Biology, therefore, not culture, is probably at the source of our seven-day week. We discover that even plants and animals and insects even follow the weekly schedule. 
Here's somebody else who's talked about the similar subject. Failing to rest after six days of work leads to insomnia, hormonal imbalance, irritability, and other physical and mental symptoms. Our biological clock runs on a 24-hour cycle, so that because society runs on a 24-hour clock, we need to catch up and rest our bodies longer every seventh day to catch up. These people are not theologians. They're simply scientists who recognize there is a weekly calendar. And on the seventh day, our bodies demand rest. Our bodies demand rest. Well, the Sabbath is for me. You may say, wait a second. I thought the Sabbath, that was sort of a Jewish thing. I thought the Sabbath was something that the Jews only did. Now watch what the Bible says one more time in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the purpose of the Sabbath was to bless. In fact, one day... Jesus was healing a woman and it irritated the Pharisees because they had added so many different laws to the Sabbath day and it irritated them. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, I believe, ought not this woman who is a daughter of Abraham be healed on the Sabbath? In other words, Jesus was saying, look, when you look throughout the entire week, there's no better day of healing than the Sabbath day. Can you say amen to that? Now, what was the issue in the New Testament? The issue in the New Testament was not whether or not the Sabbath should be kept. I want to say that one more time. The issue of the New Testament was not was whether or not the Sabbath should be kept. The issue between the Pharisees and Jesus was how the Sabbath was to be kept. I want to repeat that one more time. The issues between Jesus and the Pharisees was about how the Sabbath should be kept. The Pharisees and Sadducees had had so many laws to the Sabbath that that day became burdensome, that that day lost its beauty, and that day became so legalistic in its ceremony that people could no longer see the God of the Sabbath. But today, folks, God is calling his people to return to keeping his Ten Commandments. He wants to bless you. God wants to restore you. God wants to rejuvenate you. He wants to grow in his, He wants you to grow in your relationship with him. And folks, how many people want to grow in their walk with God? I know I do. And folks, this is why God reveals these things. He's showing us how to grow in this walk with him. The Sabbath is for me, and I thought it was just for the Jews. Now watch what the Bible says right here. Now you notice that this was written in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. This was before there was even a single Jew. Even before Abraham, even before Moses, the Bible teaches that God had blessed the Sabbath day, and he sanctified the Sabbath day. He set apart this holy day even before there was a single Jew on earth. The Sabbath is made for everybody. Amen? In fact, Isaiah 56 verse 6 talks about how there was Old Testament prophets who encouraged the Jews to teach the foreigners how to keep the Sabbath. Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. The Sabbath is made for everybody. Now somebody says, wait a second, I want to follow Jesus. What day did he keep holy? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth 
where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The Bible teaches that Jesus went to church on the Sabbath day. Now, a question arises many times is this. Wait a second. How do we know that the Sabbath that the people were keeping in the Old Testament is still the seventh day of the week today? Well, one of the ways you know about it is because Jesus was keeping the seventh day of the week holy during his time. Folks, if the Sabbath was wrong during Jesus' time, if the Sabbath day got lost somehow throughout the Old Testament history, then Jesus would have kept a different day. But folks, by the very fact you see from the Bible that Jesus kept the seventh day holy shows that the Sabbath was not lost throughout the Old Testament. Can you say amen to that? If he is the Lord of the Sabbath, then the Sabbath must be the Lord's day. Mark chapter 2, verse 28. Therefore, the son of the man, son of man is also what? Lord of the Sabbath. And if he's Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord's day must be what? Sabbath. Can you say amen to that? Some people say, I keep the Lord's day. Well, if you're keeping the Lord's day, it should be the seventh day Sabbath. But didn't Jesus do away with the Sabbath at the cross? What about Colossians chapter 2, verse 16? Doesn't the Bible teach that Jesus did away with the Sabbath at the cross? Well, we discovered on Wednesday night that the law that Jesus did away with was not the Ten Commandment law, but it was the Mosaic law, which consisted of the feast days. It consisted of the yearly Sabbaths. It consisted of the sacrifices and all the ordinances and the things that were contained in the Mosaic law. But what was not done away with was the Ten Commandments. And by the way, the Ten Commandments were written by who? God. God, And the Mosaic Law was written by? Moses. Moses. And the Ten Commandments were written in what composite? Stone. Stone. And the book of Moses was written in a? A book, a papyrus scroll, right? And the Ten Commandments were outside the ark. No, the Bible teaches the Ten Commandments were where? Inside the ark, but the book of Moses was where? Beside, Beside, indicating its temporary nature. Indicating its temporary nature. The Bible teaches that the Ten Commandments are for you and for me. His law of love that teaches us how to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and how to love our neighbor as we do ourselves. Amen? At the cross, the, the temple veil ripped, indicating the end of the Mosaic system. Paul preached the truth. Paul preached the truth. What day did he keep holy? Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 18, verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jew and Greek. Both Jew and Greek. That's Acts chapter 18, verse 4. We also discover, now watch what he says in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to Riverside. Not to the county of Riverside, but... There's actually a lot of Sabbath keepers there too, but to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. Notice this, when Paul wanted to keep the Sabbath, he didn't just stay in the city, he went out into nature where there were other people who were praying. Part of the Sabbath is to go out and to enjoy God and all the things that he has made. Can you say amen to that? And we see from scripture that Jesus would take his disciples through the fields on the Sabbath day, the day that was created Because of him, the day that was set apart for you and God, a special day where nothing on earth can touch that day for you and him. 
God wants to come closer to every person here, and he calls us to keep the seventh day holy. I want to know if the Gentiles kept the Sabbath in the New Testament. Well, we learn in Acts chapter 13, two verses, and watch what the Bible says. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that the words might be preached to them the next, what? Sabbath. Acts chapter 13, verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Notice the Bible doesn't say on any Sabbath. No, it says the Sabbath. The Sabbath. It's indicating that this day is set apart. There was only one Sabbath in the Bible. Did early church Christians keep the Sabbath? Early church Christians keep the Sabbath. The primitive Christians had a great veneration for the Sabbath and spent the day in devotions and sermon. And it is not to be doubted, but they derived this practice from the apostles themselves. Folks, God kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. The disciples kept the Sabbath. The early church keep the Sabbath. Now, folks, why is it that we don't keep the Sabbath? God calls us to keep this day holy, as it appears by several scriptures to this purpose. Second century Christians, the Gentile Christians also observed the Sabbath. It was very apparent throughout early church history that they kept the Sabbath. But Paul warned that when he would die, he said this. He said that when I am going to die, he was telling this to Ephesian elders in the book of Acts. Near the later chapters, he was saying, but when I leave, grievous wolves will come in. He was warning the church of God that things, elements would come into the church. He was warning the church of God that there would be people who would come in with different agendas and motives. He was warning the church of God that there would be heresy that would come in. And sure enough, what took place when the early church began to grow more and more and more, the Bible teaches that there would be danger that would come. And sure enough, the early church began to apostatize. And the things that the Jesus stood for, the things the disciples stood for, the things the Bible tells us to stand for, begin to be dissipated by these heresies. It is certain that the ancient Sabbath did remain and was observed by the Christians of the East Church above 300 years after the Savior's death. And by the way, you want to know something that's very interesting, something that history talks about, is that when Catholic missionaries actually came to Ethiopia hundreds of years later after the death of Christ, what they found startled them. You know what they discovered? They discovered Sabbath-keeping Christian churches. They actually discovered Sabbath-keeping Christian churches, a nation that was untouched by the outside world and outside influences was keeping the scriptures as they were taught. And where do they trace their heritage? Where do they trace their understanding of God's word? It was by Philip when he spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible teaches that Ethiopian eunuch was a treasure in Candace's court, an actual official who was part of the Ethiopian society. And when Philip taught the truth. That Ethiopian eunuch took that truth and began to spread it. And sure enough, hundreds of years later, when missionaries showed up, they began to scratch their heads because they discovered Christian churches who were keeping the Sabbath. But folks, the Bible makes it very clear that we're to keep this Sabbath. I keep the Lord's Day, but wait, what day is the Lord's Day according to the Bible? Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 John the Revelator says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, the Bible makes it very clear. We learn from Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing, 
from doing as you please on my holy day. What day does God call his day? The Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, as it says in Mark chapter 2. So therefore, if he's Lord of the Sabbath and this day is his holy day, then obviously the Lord's day would be none other than the seventh-day Sabbath of the Bible. And folks, I want to say one thing to you right now. Happy Sabbath. Is today's seventh day the same as it was during Jesus' time? Well, we understood Jesus kept the seventh day properly, but wait a second, hasn't time changed in the last 2,000 years? Well, we discovered the calendar that was used during Jesus' time, this is simple history, was the Julian calendar, and it was based upon Julius Caesar, who was the emperor of Rome. So there was the weekly calendar, the seventh day of the week. But was there a change in the calendar? Yes, in 1582, the Gregorian calendar by Pope Gregory took place and was changed. And the only thing that changed was not the weekly calendar, but simply 10 extra days. But there was no change in the weekly cycle. You know, I come across a lot of people who say, wait a second, we don't know which day is the seventh day. And I ask them just a couple questions. I'll say things like this. Well, what day do you celebrate Easter? And they'll say, well, we celebrate Easter on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus rose on Sunday. Well, I said, very great. That's very good. Because the Bible says in Matthew 26, Jesus rose on the first day. And if you celebrate Easter on Sunday and Jesus rose on the first day, therefore, what would be Sunday? Sunday would be the first day. What would be the day before? The seventh day. And that's the Sabbath of the Bible. Can you say amen to that? Can I get a scientist perspective? Yes, there are different individuals from the military, from even the uh, British Royal Astronomy Group, that they talk about how there is no change in the calendar, except for those 10 days, that affected the weekly calendar. The same Sabbath that God set up in the book of Genesis was the same Sabbath that Jesus kept, and the same seventh day that we're just, what we just started is that very same Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. And this day, God calls us to keep with him. A special day, folks, for him. You look in over 105 languages, and you can see here from culture, from history, that the word for the seventh day is connected for the word Sabbath. In Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Arabic, Persia, even Hindi, it's connected to the word Sabbath. And by the way, what's the word for Saturday in Spanish? Sabado. Obviously, you see how that word for the seventh day is connected with the word Sabbath. It's throughout history. Well, is the Sabbath in Bible prophecy? That's exactly right. When you read the book of Matthew, chapter 24, you'll discover Jesus gives a very interesting prophecy. He tells the Christians, be careful when the Romans come for Jerusalem. He warns them in Matthew 24, and he says, when you run, make sure you're not running on certain things. Make sure you don't have to carry a baby, because it's be dangerous times. And he says, be careful not to run on the Sabbath day. That's not what the day should be about. It shouldn't be you having to run. It should be a day of worship and spending time with God. But here, God, right here in the book of Matthew, prophesied 40 years later about the Sabbath day. Folks, if Jesus did away with the Sabbath at the cross, then he wouldn't instruct the Christians about some things in the future about the Sabbath day. But you can see from Bible prophecy, from history, the Sabbath is to be kept. 
Paul warned, as we learned about in the book of Acts, that grievous wolves will come in. That grievous wolves will come in. Well, how did the Antichrist fool the world about worship? How did it take place then? How is it when we look at the world, we see the majority of Christians worshiping on Sunday. They go to church on Sunday, and there's just a few that keep the seventh day holy. Folks, I want you to understand something. Number one, we follow the word of God and not the majority. Amen? In fact, when you look out through our history, the majority has always ended up being wrong. Amen? We ought to follow the word of God, and this is what we base our faith upon. What Jesus stood for, what he gave, and that same lawgiver in the Old Testament was none other than Jesus himself. None other than Jesus himself. It says in Colossians chapter 1 that all things were made by him. All things were made by Jesus. But how is it that the whole world, the whole world, much of the whole world is keeping a different day? Well, we'll discover right now from history how this took place. Why is it that the majority of people go to church on Sunday? In A.D. 321, in A.D. 321, the Emperor Constantine, the one, a emperor that actually had converted to Catholicism, he passed an edict changing the day of worship. This is throughout history, folks. And just take some simple research and you'll discover that the Roman church was responsible for the change of the Sabbath day. This emperor had many people in his kingdom. He had Christians who were keeping the Sabbath day. He had Jews who were keeping the Sabbath day. And he had pagans that were worshiping on a different day called Sunday or the day of the sun. They were worshiping the sun god. And what he wanted to do in his kingdom is combine his kingdom. He wanted his kingdom to be unified. And what he did is put out an edict and he changed the official day of worship. And he says, no more worshiping on Saturday. It's going to be outlawed. You can only worship on the venerable day of the sun. But folks, do we follow what the majority does or do we follow the word of God? And what this man thought is that he could change the law of God that was written in stone. But the Bible warns us that no man can change his eternal law. Can you say amen to that? He was responsible for this change. Here's some quotations that come from Catholic literature. Question, which day is the Sabbath day? Watch their response. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Watch the answer. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the Council of Laodicea transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Folks, this is the one thing at least I appreciate about the Catholics is that they're honest about the change. They're honest. They say, we changed it. In fact, I have quotations where they say, we don't base it upon Scripture but the authority of, the, of, of our popes. But folks, we are to follow the authority of Scriptures. Can you say amen to that? Not a man. Here's the thing to understand. And this is extremely important, folks. You may have grown up worshiping on Sunday. You may have family that worships on Sunday. You may absolutely love a whole bunch of people related to a whole bunch of people that have worshiped on Sunday. And God loves them still more than you can. God loves his, the entire earth. But, folks, he calls you to follow him. 
And what people don't know because of their ignorance, God will not hold it against them. But he is revealing this truth to you because he wants to bring you closer. And he is working with those individuals. We don't have to worry about our brothers and sisters who may not know this truth. We trust that God is still working with them. But we need to press forward in the truths that God has shown us. Can you say amen to that? Here's another quotation. Another quotation, excuse me. Most Christians assume that Sunday is the biblically approved day of worship. The Catholic Church protests that it transferred Christian worship from the biblical Sabbath, Saturday to Sunday, and that to try to argue that the change was made in the Bible is both dishonest and a denial of Catholic authority. If Protestantism wants to base its teachings only on the Bible, it should worship on Saturday. Folks, that's one thing I'm going to say one more time. At least I appreciate their honesty. And anybody who tries to deny that they weren't responsible for the change, all they need to do is simply look at history and you discover that the whole world fell into this type of teaching. But we follow the scriptures. Can you say amen to that? For example, here's some more quotations. Nowhere in the Bible do we find that Christ or the apostles order that the Sabbath be changed from Saturday to Sunday. We have the commandment of God given to Moses to keep holy the Sabbath day. That is the seventh day of the week, Saturday. Today, most Christians keep Sunday because it was revealed to us by the Roman Catholic Church. Now watch this. Outside the Bible. Folks, anything that comes outside the Bible should still agree what's inside the Bible. Amen? Amen. And if it doesn't, then we need to trust the Word of God. And folks, I don't know about you, but as for me and my household, we will follow the Lord. And God calls you to follow Him. God is revealing this truth to you, folks, because you might have been praying, Lord, I want to come closer to you. You might be praying, God, I want to follow you. You might be praying, Lord, show me the truth. And God is showing it to you right now. God is revealing these things to you. He is opening the door for you. He is showing you how you can grow in this forever friendship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is, watch this, proof of that fact. Proof of that fact. The Catholic literature simply states, and these from officials and authorities within the church, that they are responsible for this change, and it is simply their, their mark of authority. It is their symbol or their sign that they are above the Scriptures. But folks, God calls us to be under the Scriptures, to follow what His Word says, to be obedient to His Word. Can you say amen to that? You know, one day Jesus described in a parable a man who built a house on sand. And what happens is that the storm came and it blew away that house. But then Jesus describes another man who built his house upon a rock. And the storm came, but it could not blow away that house because the Bible says the house was built upon the rock. And Jesus says, he who builds his house upon the rock is like the man who heard the word and followed the word. And folks... You're not just hearing the word. God is giving you an opportunity to follow the word. To follow the word. And if he revealed some other commandment to you, if you found out that you were in the middle of an adulterous relationship and God says, look, you're breaking my commandment, wouldn't you change it? 
If the Lord showed you that you were worshiping another idol, wouldn't you say, Lord, I'm going to correct this. If God showed you that you're worshiping another God, wouldn't you change? Folks, and if God is revealing to you the fourth commandment, wouldn't you say, Lord, I want to follow you? I want to follow you because you is what it's all about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And folks, if he's the way and the truth and the life, then we ought to do what he did. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 9. Look what Jesus told the Pharisees. Very important. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God. Now, why was it that the Pharisees were rejecting some of the commandments of God? Look what he says. That you may keep your tradition. Jesus showed what was in the heart of these teachers, that they were elevating their traditions over the commandments of God. They were elevating what they knew, what they only knew from tradition, over what was spoken clearly and written in stone. But Jesus said, no, you need to follow my word and keep my commandments. Can you say amen to that? Well, I keep the Sabbath for all eternity. Is there a Sabbath in heaven? Now watch this. It's very interesting. Isaiah 66, verse 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I shall make shall remain before me. So what is this talking about? The what? New heavens, the future. That's exactly right. The new heavens, the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another... All flesh shall come to worship before me. We discover even in heaven that there's going to be a Sabbath, a special day when we're done enjoying out all everything else that was out in the world and the universe. God's going to bring us in for this time of worship and fellowship personally with him. Can you say amen to that? And folks, this world is not my home. Amen? I appreciate that song by David Tank. Heaven is what it's all about, and that's the place we ought to be going. We're called not just to be citizens of this world, but to be citizens of heaven. And in preparing for heaven, God is showing us, look, this is what I want you to do. And if we're saying, Lord, I don't want to keep your Sabbath. It's just too hard. I don't want to make this change. Folks, how will, ever we, how will we ever be ready for heaven? Jesus said in his gospel, if any man will not deny himself and take up his cross, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, if you're not going to carry your cross, if you're not going to make the changes he's revealing to you, Jesus said, you can't be my disciple. But he's wanting you to be his disciple. Jesus told those disciples, follow me. Follow me. And this is the path he is leading. Is the Sabbath a sign I shouldn't ignore? Watch what the Bible says in Exodus 31, verse 17. It's very interesting. There are two signs or two symbols the Sabbath represents. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. The first sign of the Sabbath, or what it represents, is that, that God is a creator. God is a creator. The Sabbath represents that we believe in a God who can create by the word of his mouth. Well, what is the second symbol of the Sabbath? Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The second sign of the Sabbath? It's a sign of redemption. Creation and redemption. Folks, this day... 
as Hebrews 4 teaches, is a day we celebrate because of salvation, because of all that Jesus did for us on the cross. Notice the scripture parallel. When the heavens and the when the heavens, or excuse me, when the earth was created and made, the Bible says, when it was finished, he rested. Then you go to the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus finishes the work of redemption, he cries out, It is finished. And he rested even in death on the Sabbath. There we see throughout scriptures that the Sabbath is a a day of creation, a symbol of creation, and a symbol of redemption, that the God of heaven and earth has redeemed us. And the wonderful thing is, folks, God knows your life. He knows it better than me. He knows your life better than the people around you. And he wants to give you real rest, a rest nothing in this world could give you. God wants to give you rejuvenation in your soul. You may be somebody who is struggling in your walk with God. And the Lord is showing you today how you can grow in your walk. You may be somebody today who is searching for more truth. God might have already impressed you with this subject even before this took place. Because the Lord is showing you what the path of the just looks like. The shining light which shines brighter and brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Folks, the Bible teaches that God wants to give you rest. He wants you to follow him, not the world. He wants you to stand up for him, not stand up for this world and be distracted by the cares of this world. You may be somebody today who is wondering whether or not God loves you. Folks, I want you to understand God loves you. You are worth the whole universe to him. And he would die again for you if you were the only one if you were the only sinner who was lost, Jesus would have paid that price. Folks, if God was willing to go the distance for us, wouldn't you go the distance for him? Wouldn't you follow Jesus when he asked you to keep his commandments? When he calls you to be obedient? To set apart this special day, not for his sake, but for your sake. God wants to bless you, folks. God wants to bless you. The Lord of the universe is calling you to set apart this day. Not man's day. Not man's offering, but the day he has set apart his offering. You might not have known this truth, but now you do. And the Lord is calling you today. How many people today, by the raising of their hands, says, Lord, I want to be obedient to your commandments. I want to keep your day holy. Amen. We're going to do something special, folks. We're going to pass out a decision card for you because I believe that you need to make that decision tangible. We're on the Sabbath hours right now as we speak. This special day, you can already sense that warmth and that closeness of God. We're going to pass out these decision cards to you right now. I want everybody, if you can take out a decision card right now. If you notice the top, it says, My eternal decision for Jesus. Folks, don't let nothing hold you back. Your angels are watching you. Your angels are hoping and wanting. They're rooting for you to follow God. Don't let this world stop you. Make that decision. Lord, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to follow you. I sense what you have been doing. I've seen Bible truth clear as crystal. And I'm not going to hold back, Lord. God is revealing this truth to you, folks, because he loves you. And Jesus told Pilate, he says, Anyone who is of the truth hears my voice. 
Jesus told Pilate, if you're anyone who's of the truth, who loves the truth, you know what the scriptures are teaching. You know how clear it is. Folks, God is calling you today to follow him. If you want to make that decision, you want to say, I believe Jesus gave his beautiful Sabbath rest for all of mankind, not only as a commandment, but also as a means to come closer to him. I want you to check it off. Right? You just check it off. You say, I believe what the Bible teaches. I want you to check it off. Number two, I want to be faithful to Jesus and begin to experience his wonderful seventh-day Sabbath. If you say, Lord, I don't want to hold back anymore from keeping your commandments, I want you to check that off. Don't let nothing stand but hold you back. Folks, today is the day of salvation. No prom no, no, tomorrow is promised to no man, Jesus says. But today, you can walk out of that door saying, Lord, I'm following you. Number three, you want to be baptized or rebaptized. You're realizing these beautiful truths and you say, Lord, I want to make a recommitment. I want you to check that off. You have some questions and would like a visit. I want you to check it off. But folks, don't just be hearers of his word. Be doers of his word. Be doers. And the way you can be doers, tomorrow morning, Sabbath morning, 10.40 a.m., come to church. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath day. God's inviting you to fellowship. America in Bible Prophecy, 10.40 a.m. Saturday night, the mark of the beast revealed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that the creator of the universe would set apart a day, a day of relationship, a day of fellowship, a day of rest. Lord, our souls are tired of this world. We're tired of this world, God, and we need your grace. Thank you that we can receive it freely, Lord. Bless each person, God. May they sense you speaking to them even more closely, even more. May they hear what you're saying to them. As, they, as we continue on this Sabbath day, may we, may we be refreshed by your Holy Spirit and bring everyone back tomorrow morning. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.